morning and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. Uh, if you're new with us, welcome. If not, welcome back. Uh, I've just returned from five days uh, over in the Olympic National Park with my family, which was really refreshing and much needed. Glad to be back here. And I'm really excited because we're beginning a new series this week. Uh, after finishing up our epic story series and then having uh, my friend Aaron Montz transition us through the message that he gave last week. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. Um, and uh, this week, I, I am excited because this new series, uh, I've been, we've been working through a bunch of New Testament stuff for probably over a year now, and uh, we're going to jump into the Old Testament for the first time in a long time uh, in a very direct way by looking at some of the characters in the Old Testament. And this new series is called Unqualified. Um, what we're going to do is take a look at these different characters in the scriptures, and the question I want to ask is, if we would if we would actually choose these characters to be leaders uh, or as people who we might think do something might be able to do something important so when we look at these characters there's irony here because uh, at least on the surface these individuals don't look qualified maybe the best way for me to illustrate this for you would be to show you this video all right next up um king david Thanks for coming, King David. What qualifies you to be our next small group leader? <clears throat> well, what was that word you used uh, before my name? Uh, King? Yeah, King, right. How many of those am I up against? My strengths. Uh, plagues. I'm pretty good with the staff. Can't decide who gets the last brownie? Cut it in two. Boom. Wisdom. Um, parting large bodies of water. Desert survival skills. Weaknesses. <laughs> Weaknesses. <laughs> Mountain climbing. Um, commandment retrieval. Does that look weak to you? And I can make a pretty mean goat sausage. Okay, I mean, maybe haircuts. Women. Whose isn't? <laughs> so I lied. I said my wife was my sister. They were gonna kill me. <laughs> Why are we even getting into this? I'm just not sure we're comfortable with you in a leadership position. Look, it, it, Jesus Christ himself called you Satan. He was trying to make a point. Get thee behind me, Satan, I believe is the exact quote. Bathsheba, I knew you were gonna go there. It was a rock to the back of the head. I really regret that it happened. And that's when you slept with the maid? My wife said she was fine with it. Abraham. What? Come on. Okay, timeline. Um, first I slept with his wife. No, 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 no. I didn't kill Christians. Then I lied to him. I was just watching people's coats. Then I had him killed, okay? They killed Christians. It's a long time ago. Besides, that was a different guy. That was Saul. <laughs> I've ever killed anyone. Why? You got somebody giving you beef? Huh? You need something taken care of? Where's the app? Yo, bring it, huh? Didn't you deny Christ three times? No. I'm pretty sure you did. No. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Uh, no. Okay, I did. No, I've never killed anyone. Why would you even ask that question? This is the guy. Hold on, I, I mean, I do have some questions about my qualifications. I've never been to seminary. Oh, you'll do fine. I really don't have a whole lot of experience. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you want to help people? Sure. Do you have a harem? No, I don't have a harem. <laughs> All right, we're good then, thank you. Let me, let me think about this first. <laughs> yeah, so 
Uh, that says it pretty well. Um, the idea here is that we're going to look at some of these characters and we're certainly going to be able to see their flaws, but we may also be able to see um, how God takes them further than those flaws. So this week we're going to start the series by looking at a character in the Old Testament named Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And I'll have you turn there in a minute or look it up on your device. But when we look at Gideon, I think that you will see that God changes his life, like a lot of characters in the Bible. Um, and by examining his life, we can understand and believe that God can change our lives too. Really, our lives are full of potential and promise. And we've talked about that at length before, and I just want to re reiterate that to you again in the midst of this pandemic and quarantine and stay-at-home orders and your kids aren't going back to school. There is still God's promises to hang on to, and he is still just jam-packed you full of potential to be uh, all that you can be for what he wants you to do in his kingdom. So if you're anything like Gideon or me or any of these other characters that we're going to put under the microscope here in this next series, most of us, we don't live out that life of potential. We don't live out lives that are full of that promise that God has for us. But Gideon shows us how our lives can change. So let's dive into this passage and take a look. Turn with me to Judges chapter 6. We're going to read the first 16 verses. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon said, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. In this passage that we've just read, the Israelites have been in the Promised Land for about 300 years. So they've been 
rescued from Egypt, and now they've been in the promised land, the leader that brought them there was Joshua, and he's died 250 years ago. So the entire group of people that came out of slavery in Egypt, they are now gone. They have all passed away. And in that time, the people of God, the Israelites, they have forgotten God. They've wandered away from God's truth and they've started worshiping idols. Uh, and particularly the idols of the culture that they're living in. And we talked about this cycle a few weeks back uh, in our last series, the, this never-ending cycle that they were going through. We see it throughout the book of Judges. The whole book of Judges contains this cycle over and over and over and over again. Most people call it a sin cycle. I like to call it a redemption cycle because it points out God's never-ending redemptive purposes that he keeps on keeping on forgiving these people. In any case, they're going through this cycle. They turn their hearts and their focus away from God and towards the idols of their culture. And the result is that God allows them to reap the harvest of their actions. There are consequences to their sins. And as the result of this, they are then enslaved again. So they, 300 years ago, they escaped from slavery. God rescued them uh, by no merit of their own. He orchestrates the whole thing and takes them out and says, don't forget me. Here are some, some reminders, some laws that will help you focus on what is right and good. And then they forget and they are caught in this cycle. So they are enslaved again to new nations. And after a while, their despair is so overwhelming, they begin to cry out to God again. And they're basically saying, help us, save us, Hosanna. We need a savior. God responds by sending them a deliverer, a judge. That is why it's called the book of Judges. So then they are delivered. They come back to God and there is peace for a while. And after the, after the peace comes, usually the judge ends up dying and then the cycle begins all over again because the people forget what they've been told and they forget God and they start bowing down to the idols of their culture once again. So if you haven't already, I encourage you to go back to our epic story series and interact with our, the teaching from that series. I think it's at the beginning of June or something like that. And we talk about the cycle of sin question mark. Is it a cycle of sin or is it a cycle of redemption? Go and check that out. In this story that we've just read, Gideon has been living under oppression. Uh, he's been enslaved by the Midianites for seven years. It's not just six months of difficulty like we've been living in now, basically, uh, during this pandemic of COVID-19. Gideon has been oppressed for seven years, a long time. He is, he is threshing wheat in secrecy because if he doesn't, it will be, be taken away from him. Everything he works for, everything he does every day is stolen by other people. How many of you can relate to this? Where it seems like the fruits of our labors are taken by somebody else. Somebody takes all the credit from your work. You may have had this happen to you in like a group exercise in high school where your teacher said, do this particular assignment. And somebody like did nothing and you had to do all the work and they got the credit for it. That's one version of it. Or you came up with a great idea. Somebody else took it and then ran with it and you didn't get any of the credit for it either. So it could be at work. It could be in your family. It could be in your relationships. Whatever it is, you thought it's going really well and it, and it just breaks down and it dissolves. It falls apart. Um, you feel like you're pedaling faster, but you're going nowhere. You're actually slowing down. You work harder, you seem to have less. And we get to the point where it seems that we don't have the energy 
anymore. We're just kind of hanging on. That's what Gideon is doing as he's hiding out in this threshing pit, in this wine press, trying to hide the fruits of his labors. This was his life, living with injustice, living with fear, living with shattered dreams. So it seems like God is nowhere to be found. Uh, we find him in, in verse 13. If you go ahead and read that again. He's like, um, to God, he's basically like, if you're for us, then what has happened here? Where are all the wonders that you did? Gideon is in this season of life where he is not at his best. He is at the low point. In fact, he may be at his worst. And it's into this context that God shows up. And God calls him out of despair and says, I have a new destiny for you. And he's having a hard time believing it. He calls him to greatness. And as we said before, God doesn't call his people to greatness just so they can be great. He calls them to greatness for the sake of others, which is always a reminder of our third value here at West Seattle Christian Church. You go and look on our website and our about page and scroll down to our values and you see that the third value is to live like Jesus for the sake of others. And we spell that out specifically. It's what we stand for and why we do what we do. That third value is living like Jesus for the sake of others. And, and that is why he calls us to do great things. That is why he says, you can be my representatives. That is why he says to Gideon, I have a new destiny for you. I'm going to call you to be, do something great, but not for your own greatness and not for your own sake, for the sake of others. The question I have, though, is why did God choose Gideon? That's the question I have for all the characters that we're going to cover in this series. Why does he choose this particular individual? Is there something about this person that makes them special, quote unquote? Well, simply, the, the simple answer for why does he choose this person is because he can. He's God, after all. And But why someone like this? Well, we saw in that video before, the Bible is actually full of stories of God choosing whoever he wants. He chooses the weak to show up the strong. He chooses the simple to confound the wise. He takes those who we they think they're unqualified, and we would say they're unqualified. And God says, no, you're ready to do what I need you to do. You are qualified. The newsflash here, maybe you've never heard this before, but God is not looking for abilities. God is actually not impressed with your abilities at all. Think about it. He gave you all of your abilities. He's like, yep, I know you can do that. <laughs> He's also not depressed by your inabilities. He's like, I know you can't do that. But here's the thing. God is not limited by your limitations. Hello? Why would we think that? We, we do this thing where we're like, well, I can't do that, so I, you can't use me. And he's like, I'm God. I can use you. If I say I can use you, I can use you. <laughs> he's not up in heaven thinking, oh, I just wish I'd given them some more money. Man, I wish I'd made that guy look better. I'd made, I wish I made that person thinner. I wish I'd made that person a bit smarter. I just wish... I made them whatever, so then they could go do that thing. No, God is not impressed by your abilities, and he's not depressed by your inabilities. He's not limited by your limitations. He's just not. He's not looking at your abilities at all. But I'll tell you what he is looking at. He's looking at your availability. Yeah, and we're going to focus on that more next week. But 
let's go back to that question. So why does God choose Gideon? Let's first understand that God's, God knows Gideon better than Gideon knows himself. And if you take a, a deep dive into yourself for a minute, and you understand that there is a God in this universe who created everything, including you, and he's got it all going someplace, you come to that realization, then you're going to understand that God understands you better than you know yourself, which is a frightening thought and also a wonderful thought. God could see things in Gideon that Gideon just could not understand. He could not fathom. He had not even thought about it. And that's where I want to leave it this week for you to just, just sit in that for a while. Just soak that thought in before we tackle this a little bit further next time. And I want to leave you with these three observations. Number one, God can see things in you that you have never even thought about. Things that you've never dreamed are possible that are in you, that he can use, that he put there. So he knows that they're there and he's calling them out in, in you. He just wants to know if you're going to show up. Number two, God knows you better than you know yourself. Wow. I mean, frightening, yes. Amazing at the same time. Number three, God is not looking for your abilities or your lack thereof. He is not paying attention. He just wants to know, are you available? Amen.